We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy, Will Weir, checking in. How you doing? How you living? Tonight, I'm riding solo here. Opening monologue, just going off the dome from your boy here after the Celtics preseason game number three. Celtics 112, Sixers 101. Just to set the scene for the rest of this podcast here, you got just me hanging out with your boy Will Weir, one-on-one here at the top of the podcast. Second half of the podcast, really excited for this. Myself, the coach, Greg Manakis, he joins me. We actually had a sit-down interview with former Celtic Marquise Daniels. Comes back, talks about uh, being an undrafted rookie, what that was like on those Mavericks teams that had Dirk Nowitzki, old friend Antoine Walker. We talk about the 2010 Finals. We talk a lot about mentality that it takes in training camp which we're going to get into with some of these back end cuts here in the next week or so and it's a really fascinating conversation with Marquis Daniels so make sure that you hang around for that but of course to get us started let's get into what we always do here when we have a game the same night that we record so let's jump in and let's hit the morning box score Morning box score for today, Boston Celtics 112, Philadelphia 76ers 101. This was the Celtics' third preseason game, now 2-1 on the preseason. Two more games to go. They have basically a week off, won't play again until next Tuesday night against the Knicks. Then there's one more game against the Hornets before we tip it all off against the Knicks the following week. So just a few more preseason games to go, kind of. Kind of a weird schedule here with this long break in between, uh, but will be nice to kind of reset for the players, reset for the fans, and we'll keep moving along here. So Celtics 2-1 and one on the preseason. Let's head over to the Philadelphia 76ers for tonight. Tyrese Maxey, 7 of 17 from the field. He had 17 points to go along with 3 rebounds and 3 assists. Kelly Oubre, 6 of 8 from the field, 18 points, 3 rebounds. I think this is a signing that went a little bit overshadowed just with how late in the offseason it was clearly a bargain deal for the Sixers Kelly Oubre trying to build back up some of that value but this is a guy that can play uh, we saw that tonight I think this is a really underrated signing now 
the biggest thing for for the Sixers, of course, is the James Harden situation. So until that situation is either resolved or dissolves, it's probably not really going to matter. But Kelly Oubre as a sixth, seventh guy in this rotation, whatever his role is going to be, that is a really nice pickup. He had another great game tonight. Jaden Springer, another guy that I've liked in the two games that we've seen out of the 76ers, four of six from the field. He had 10 points, 10 points for DeAnthony Melton as well. Let's go on over to the good guys and let's check out what the Celtics had for the Celtics tonight. And I should have mentioned this at the top here. The Stars were sitting this one out. No Embiid, no Harden. No Tatum, no Brown. So the leading leading guys on each team took a seat for this one. So for the Celtics, they went with the starting lineup of Derek White, Drew Holiday, Al Horford, and Chris Dapps, Porzingis. Really nice night for the Celtics all around here. So let's start with those guys. Five of seven from the field, Drew Holiday tonight. He had 11 points, two rebounds, and two assists. 11 points also for Derek White. Did a little bit of everything. Three rebounds, four assists, three blocks. The ball father is here. He is back, baby. He is here to block shots. Al Horford, nine points. Very, very efficient. Three of four from the field. Chris Porzingis, two of five, 11 points. Sam Hauser, refound that stroke. 15 points for him tonight, including four of nine from three. And then, of course, shout out, shout out to the new guy in town here, Drew Carter. Preseason P, Peyton Pritchard does it again. 17 points for him off the bench. Svima Kailuk, 15 points. Big Nimi, 10 points to add in as well. And so another win for the Celtics here in the preseason. And I want to go through just a couple of players. We'll, we'll do some quick hits here. This will be a shorter intro into the podcast, and then we'll get you over to our Marquise Daniels interview. But let's go through the starting lineup here first, and and let's start with, with Derek White. You know, I mentioned that he filled the stat sheet again. Hit up my florist, sent him a text today, said, get ready. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to be giving Derek White some more flowers this year. We're going to hold off. It's the preseason. We got we to pace ourselves here. We can't just be dishing out bouquets left and right. We we got we to wait and do it at the appropriate times. But tonight, I think, was a really good example of the little things that Derek White is going to continue to be doing. And it's really interesting when you think about it because we spent all offseason, obviously after the Chris Dapps Porzingis move and Marcus Smart is moved out of town and it's kind of, let's give the keys to Derek White. And now that's been rearranged a bit with Drew Holiday in. And, and there was all this talk of this expanded role for Derek White, these responsibilities, which I think he would have been would have been able to handle. But now it's he still has a lot of responsibility, which is in a very different way, especially when you add in the Drew Holiday factor. But you look at a game like tonight, and he was able to just do all the little things, make the extra passes like he's known for, be able to crash the offensive glass, you know, kind of cause havoc on the back end because there's so much attention even in just this game, to Drew Holiday, to Chris Stapps, to Al Horford, who are all spacing the floor along with Sam Hauser, throw Peyton Pritchard in there. And so, you know, all the small things that, that Derek White was able to do, you know, they really add up. And so you see that he ends up with these 11 points. He gets a lot of open threes, which is something that could be a concern. I don't think it would be a crazy concern when you look at his career shooting that last year at that 38% clip that it could come back down a little bit. That's not crazy. But if he's going to get the type of open threes that he got tonight, there's a good chance that that 38% stays level. Maybe it's right around 37, 38, 39%. And if that's the case, that is really big trouble for the rest of the NBA. Something that the, they got to look at for the Celtics team is that Derek White maybe comes back to earth. But with all the spacing, with all the offensive firepower, Derek White is going to continue to get good looks. And when you compare him with Drew Holiday, you have – likely the best defensive court backcourt excuse me 
in the NBA and another three blocks tonight for Derek White. So my florist is, is on standby. We got more flowers that are coming to my guy, Derek White. Drew Holiday, who I just mentioned, five of seven from the field. We kind of, it's been an afterthought since trading for Drew Holiday, but this guy can score, right? This guy averaged just under 20 points per game last year. When needed, this guy can go get you a bucket, whether it's in the lane. He's a solid three-point shooter. Same as Derek White, going to be somewhere in that high 30s, a little bit more proven track record, at least regular season-wise. We've seen that fall off in the postseason, but that's kind of the added workload to that as well. So it's kind of a give and take. But with Drew Holiday, that's something that we have to remember is this guy can go get you buckets. This guy's going to have a bunch of games where he scores 20, 25 points, probably a couple 30-point nights mixed in. And you can see it at one point tonight. He had a really nice um, catch on the baseline, the sideline, out of bounds, goes right into his shot. You know, it's going to give a, just a different feel for when you have this guy as a, as a fourth option. It's a, it's a really, truly a crazy luxury to have. The other luxury, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Let's talk about him for a minute here. You know, once again, the rim protection was there again from him tonight. Uh, didn't technically register any blocks, but was bothering some shots at the rim tonight. You know, two of two from the three-point line. I think it's just it, as much as Al Horford can shoot the three, and he shot it tonight, one of two, three of four from the field for Al Horford. Another solid performance. We know what we're getting out of Al. But with Chris Stapps Porzingis, the, the range that he has to be able to shoot it from deep and with the quick release – that he has, and he's seven foot fucking three. It's a, we're gonna say that a lot. You're gonna hear us say it a lot because it, it really is just astonishing. You can get a shot over everybody. You can see him do it from the three point line. You can see it when he tries to back down Paul Reed, even on a shot he missed. It kind of rolled in and out, but Paul Reed played an excellent defense. Nothing he could do. Chris Stapp still gets that shot up, and it's a shot that he can certainly make. So the versatility and different dimensions that he brings to the offense uh, is, is really gonna be impressive, and you can already see it in certain parts of of this preseason uh, another note with with chris apps Porzingis here real quick one thing that i felt you could see was the one negative in his first game with the celtics is that a guy like tyrese maxi is going to be able to put some pressure on that drop coverage and potentially take advantage you know he's still got some some of his points tonight it you know attacking that drop coverage but I did see some of those curveballs. We're going to use that term a lot based on Joe Missoula's verbiage that he shared with JJ Redick. You could see that a little bit tonight, and especially there's one possession where Tyrese Max is trying to use that pick on the left-hand side. You have Sam Hauser shading over. You have kind of a scramble on the backside so that there is more help trying to force Tyrese Maxey, uh, you know, to kind of pick a side and have that help come come and be there for Porzingis. And so I do think that'll be an interesting chess match to keep an eye on throughout the year is, is how the Celtics deal with those type of guys like Maxey that could give them trouble. So let's go to some of the, you know, let's go away from the star tier, I guess, if you will, the starter tier. And of course, preseason P did it again. I don't know what else to say. This guy's been on fire these first three games expecting, you know, I, I don't know what his season's going to be, but I expect him to play every single night and I expect him to be impactful more often than not. Sam Hauser struggled the first couple of games here, looking to find his shot, got back on track tonight, four of nine from the three-point line tonight. Uh, this is a really encouraging sign. I think he's a guy that's already kind of locked in as someone that's going to be a staple of this Joe Missoula rotation. And let's go to his doppelganger, Svee Mikhailuk. You know, I, I think we talked about when they signed him, they do a lot of the same things. Svee was shooting the hell out of the ball tonight. He had 15 points. I think him, along with our guy, Big Nimi. Big Mimi had a really impressive performance here uh, in the second half. He only played seven minutes and 46 seconds, but this has been, you know, these last two games, uh, he, he's made an impression. And I think depending on what Joe Missoula does with the rotation over these next 
last two games that they have next week would like to see what he looks like not going up against some of the backups to really get a feel for it but right now as you look to how the end of this Celtics roster could shape up it feels like you know we know who kind of the nine or ten guys that are pretty solid and who knows how the two ways are going to play out but just talking about that 12 to 13 active roster spots, it, it looks like potentially Nimi and certainly Svi Mikhailuk might have the inside track. Uh, it's going to be guys like Lamar Stevens and Wenyan Gabriel that still really feel like they haven't done a ton. Wenyan a better game tonight. Lamar Stevens really haven't seen too much out of him in these first couple of games. So I think those are going to be the guys over the next week or so that you have to look at to see, you know, are they going to actually make this team when they finally break for the regular season. But I would say as of right now, both Svi and Big Nini look like they do have that inside track. So that's going to do it for today's morning box score. As I said, riding solo here at the top of the podcast. But coming up, we have a great interview with former Celtic, Marquise Daniels. So make sure that you check that out here and make sure you go to our YouTube if you want to watch the entire video. Marquise Daniels, great time hanging out with him. Make sure you go to that YouTube. Make sure that you subscribe just past the 1200 subscriber mark. Really appreciate and love y'all. Make sure you keep rocking with us here. But that's going to do it for this side of the podcast. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, it's myself, it's the coach Greg Menakis, and it's Marquise Daniels. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Joining us today for the first time here on the Green with MV podcast, we have 10-year NBA veteran, former Boston Celtic, and the current Auburn Director of Player Development. Top of the morning to Marquise Daniels. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm blessed. How about yourself? We're doing fantastic. We appreciate you taking some time to join us today and want to take a look at your career here. So let's jump right into it, man. I want I want to start back at the beginning. So you're at Auburn from 99 to 03. 
you leave Auburn in 03 after nearly, real quick, I got to make sure that people know real quick, nearly taking out Carmelo Anthony and the eventual champion Syracuse Orange, nearly <laughs> took them down. You come out, you go undrafted, you sign with the Mavs on a summer league deal. So I want to know, because right now where, you know, preseason just kicked off for the Celtics and a bunch of teams across the NBA just the other day. So we're still going through those first training camp preseason games. So take us inside. What's the mentality of, you know, an undrafted player, an end of the roster player that's trying to find their way onto a team? Never mind a rotation. Let's start with just making the team. What's that mentality like for, for a player in that situation? Uh, that's where you have to learn to be selfish within yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that the word selfish is a bad thing, but you got to learn to be selfish in times like that for to go out and get what you want. Like, but do it in the right way, you know, not go out and, you know, just jacking up bad shots and doing stuff like that. You got to be selfish and making yourself better every possession, making yourself better every day, making yourself better. You know, whether if it's a rebound to be get, you got to go get it. If it's a pass to be made, you got to make the right pass. So you have to be selfish in those areas to better yourself. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're kind of talking about what um, we hear Brad Stevens say a lot. It's like being a star within your role. So when you come into a training camp like that, did you have an idea of what your role was going to be, or did did you kind of just like feel it out and go from there? I honestly had no idea what was going on. Um, I mean, going to draft, I went to all the the different um, workouts and everything, but I had no idea. You know, I was coming into Dallas, and those guys we were loaded. We had all kind of veterans everywhere, and they just drafted Josh Howard. Um, I mean, I had no idea I was going to end up, you know, backing up Steve Nash and then, you know, playing the two and three. So I had no idea, but I was trying to make sure I was prepared for whatever situation we had been. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, Dallas was was loaded when you got to that team. So just to give our audience kind of an idea of what that top eight that you ended up cracking that rotation was, you know, they had Michael Finley, obviously Dirk Nowitzki, old Celtic legend Antoine Walker, Steve Nash, pre-MVPs, Anton Jameson, Josh Howard, who you mentioned, Tony Delp. So this is a team that was that was really deep, and, and this is at that time when the Western Conference was just loaded top to back, and, you know, 50-win teams were – were five seeds, six seeds, seven seeds because it was so loaded. So when you got to that team and you see a lot of these veterans, you and Josh Howard end up being kind of the young guys that cracked the rotation. Was there any veterans like Dirk or Twan or Steve Nash or anybody that kind of, you know, took you under their wing or that kind of helped provide you with, you know, some guidance in those early days? Uh, all those guys were really good. Uh, I just remember Steve Nash telling me one day, he's like, hey, rookie, you want to be good? I was like, yeah. He's like, don't do what everybody else is doing. I was like, okay, what that mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, come early, stay late, you know, get extra shots. You know, just put your head down, work hard, you know, ask questions when needed. And, you know, and don't think that you know everything. Always try to soak up as much as you can. And, you know, I was ha I had to follow Antoine Walker around everywhere he went. You know, Coach Dunn Nelson told me, you know, you you go a Walker everywhere he goes, and you know, just trying to learn the ins and outs of the game. You know, I got some tips from all those guys. They're all great people, and I still stay in contact with all of them to this day. Where were the places that Antoine went? Because I know that's something our fans definitely want to know is is what Antoine was up to when he was in Dallas. A lot of people didn't see his work at the side of things. You know, he, he worked really hard, you know, in and out of the gym, you know, trying to show us, you know, things to do and things not to do. Of course, you know, you hear about his, you know, certain situations. But other than that, Antoine was a great, great guy for me. You know, he helped me out in a lot of different ways. There were always these stories in Dallas. Obviously, you got Cuban there. So we're going to need you to give us at least one Mark Cuban story. But there, were, I remember these stories coming out back then about Mark Cuban and Steve Nash like going out and partying. 
Uh, did you ever get a chance to like hit the clubs with Steve Nash? Because there there was always the rumors that he was like a crazy party guy. I guess I was too young for that. They wouldn't let me go. <laughs> but uh, I never saw them going out together. Um, like I say, the only time was after you know we won the the Western Conference. Sometimes uh, we win like a big those series or whatever. Then you know we may have something in the locker room or on the plane on the way back. But other than seeing them out in the club, I, I didn't see that. Do you do you have any like um? just like experiences hanging out with Mark Cuban or talking with Mark Cuban and what it was like being around him? Yeah, uh, Mark's a great guy. It's, it's crazy. We still talk to this day. You know, he still checks in on me. And, you know, I check in on those guys as well. And um, Mark's just always been good since the day I first got to Dallas. He's always, you know, had my back and I always showed that he cared for his players. Yeah, and I mean, after your after your rookie season, you know, clearly they believe in you enough that you got a six year deal off of that. We're going from undrafted to a six year deal. That's obviously, you know, regardless of what time or whatever in the NBA, that doesn't happen, you know, super often. So I'm curious because you talked earlier about, you know, you got to be be selfish within finding your role. Right. You know, was there a moment in that rookie season where you felt like I figured it out? I belong no more. Like not that you're not always kind of scraping to find your place, but there's a moment that you were like, like I belong in this rotation. I'm going to be in this rotation that kind of uplifts your confidence. I always kind of been a guy that had a lot of confidence within myself, but um, I think just hearing it from other guys, like your teammates, that's, you know, key players on the team, like, Hey, come on, rookie, we need you. You know, like just encouraging you throughout the season. Um, I, I remember um, Steve Nash got sick and, he was out for like two weeks, and Dunn Nelson was like, hey, rookie, you starting? And I'm like, huh? You know I haven't been playing, right? And so, um, you know, I was the guy that come in. We up 20, down 20, you know. But within that time, I'm going to try to have 10, 12 points when I come out the game. You know, and um, when he told me that, Antoine Jameson, he looked at me. He's like, I bet you stop playing around now. Because I used to just joke around and practice, like, because I know I'm not going to get in anytime soon. So, you know, I just came out, and I just played well from that point on. And then um, then when Steve got back, he's like, we're going small ball. He started me at the two and, you know, and the rest was history. I just kept trying to leave my mark. So throughout your career, you know, you had various roles on, on different teams. Right now with the Celtics, they brought in a whole bunch of new guys, like a stable of young wings. I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the squad, but, you know, they, they brought in O'Shea Brissett from your former team, uh, the Pacers, who had a crazy put-back dunk yesterday, by the way, that got, that got negated, but it was amazing. Um, Jordan Walsh, who's a rookie coming in. They brought in Lamar Stevens from Cleveland. Uh, they got Delano Banton from the Raptors. So all these promising young wings. Can you speak to a little bit about, like, the competition that's necessary to drive you to, like, earn that spot in a rotation? I think it's it's good competition if they can own into it. You know, sometimes you have to learn, especially as a young guy, it's hard to lose yourself within the team. You know, go out there and just do the things that need to be done. This is part of, um, like I was speaking on earlier, about being selfish within the team to make yourself better, but also make the team better at the same time. And it'll only help you in the long run because right now you're young, you, you're ambitious, you're feeling like, man, I should be playing, I should be doing this. But you got to understand and learn the roles like – like you said, I played many roles. There was some roles where I had to score, some roles where I had to just play defense. So if you want to be on that court, you got to find your niche and you got to be great at whatever it is that you do. So being at Auburn, just because I know Greg mentioned Jordan Walsh, he was an SEC guy last year. Did you have any inside look or scouting report on, on Jordan Walsh that you remember from last season? Yeah, uh, um, <clears throat> he can stretch the floor, really good shooter, can guard multiple positions. I uh, got a great motor. Uh, I can tell his drive for the game is really is really there, and I think he he's a, a sponge. He seems to learn like every time we played him, he seems to have gotten better. 
So I think he's going to be a great addition to you guys. Um, just coming in, you know, he can shoot the ball once he gets it going. I think he's going to be a lot great player than what a lot of people think. Now, I'm big on, like, hyperbole, and, like, the first time I see someone, first impression of someone, I just like to compare them to somebody else. For example, the first time I ever saw Scotty, Scotty Barnes play, I was like, oh, that's year two Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, literally after two minutes of watching him play basketball. So with Jordan Walsh, when I see him play and the way he moves, he reminds me, maybe not like the basketball IQ, because I think that's kind of slept on with this player, but he reminds me a lot of Andre Iguodala and just like his spineliness on the court. Um, is there anybody when you watch him play that he reminds you of? Mm, that's a great question. I don't know if he's as athletic as Andre Iguodala, Iguodala was. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a slam dunk champion, right? Yeah, he's a crazy athlete. Uh, I think, man... Uh, He's a, a little more athletic than Charlie Villanueva, I think. You know, can mm -hmm. really stretch the floor, can play in the post if needed. I, I think he probably defend, he defends better than Villanueva. Uh, and I think that's uh, something that people don't really see the side of him of, of being a good defender. And I think he has a great, great chance of being a really good defender with his length and using his skill set and um, his quickness. He's a lot quicker than what people think. Yeah, yeah. So going back to to your career here for a minute, I wanna I wanna skip ahead in some time here to to when you joined the Celtics in two thousand nine. So when you joined the Celtics, they're oh eight Celtics win the championship. Oh nine Celtics are you know in in I think in a lot of Celtics fans' opinions and a lot of media opinion that second year of the Big Three might have been the best version of it before KG hurts his knee in Utah and then they end up losing in the second round to an Orlando Magic team that just gets scorching hot Game Seven sets all types of records at the time for three point shooting so you're brought in that next year to be support to that Big Three they need other ball handling another guy on the wing so you're coming into a team that has started to build some some pretty intense chemistry with their main rotation players what's it like for you coming into a situation that already has a team that's fully ingrained but now you're a more established veteran you're not just you know trying to find your spot you're being brought in for a specific reason what was it like if you remember initially meeting you know that core group of players with that Celtics team uh they welcome me easily coming in you know they just told me just be myself just come in and you know just be who you are, you know, handle the ball, you know, look to get guys open, defend. And they made it really easy. The transition wasn't hard at all. You know, those guys, um, you know, being a veteran, you know how to carry yourself. You know how to move around the locker room. And, you know, playing with guys like, you know, Paul, Ray, Rondo, you know, Tony Allen, those guys, you know, they, they knew how to carry themselves. So it was easy for me to just fit in, you know, just being around real authentic guys that didn't persuade to be anything that they weren't. So it, it made it really easy for me. Yeah, we talked a little bit about like playing roles and competition. Now, there, you know, with your time in Boston, you were competing with a guy, like a young guy, like Tony Allen for some minutes, right? And TA obviously ended up becoming one of the best defenders in like in, in his era in the NBA. So what was it like, um, you know, the 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 games where TA would would earn minutes over you? How do you as a veteran really like accept that because the Celtics this year and I'd love to like transition and talk a little bit about the team this year they're gonna have to to sacrifice Chris Saps Porzingis you know he might lose some end of, end of game minutes to Al Horford Derek White might lose some minutes to Drew Holiday Drew Holiday came off the bench last night for the Celtics in the first preseason game so what is it like as a veteran having a sacrifice to a young guy like a Tony Allen uh, it's a selfless act man if you're on a win you, you're willing to do whatever it takes to win you got to 
you know, motivate other guys. You can't do it yourself. You're going to need your whole team, especially when you got one goal in mind to win a championship. You know, if you're selfish in a bad way, then it is to show up. You know, so you got to be selfless and selfish in a way that'll help the team. And I think, you know, when you got younger guys that's ambitious and wants to learn and coming in, they're getting better. You got to be willing to help them and understand that, you know, sometimes it's going to be your day. So you got to clap for them when it is their time, but make, you know, because you're going to want them to clap for you when it's your time. So be happy for your teammates. Do you think that you had that mentality when you were playing? Did it, did the ego ever like rise to the surface at, at any point? And you're like, man, I should be playing over this dude. Oh, yes. A lot of times you feel like that, you know, but you got to learn how to, you know, channel it and, and put it to a positive way, you know, because a lot of times you can get to that point and you can just be like, man, I'm better than this person, whether it's true or not. You can't allow that to show because it affects your game when you get out on the court. You're now you're pressing to do things that you normally wouldn't do or, you know, just trying to prove your way and just show people that you can do certain things instead of just being yourself. And it ends up making you look like, you know, like you can't play or you shouldn't be out there instead of just being who you are. Yeah, it's tough to have that like old head wisdom when you're a young kid, right? I was a basketball coach uh, for like 10 years. I was, I was working, I, we lived down here in Austin, Texas. So I was a varsity basketball coach down here. And my, I, there would always be guys in the community that would come in, like the old heads from the community that would just like walk into the gym and always try and like put our players on some game. And they'd be like, get out of here, man. Like, right. like you're oh, like man, 50 move. years old, oh. what are you talking about? Uh, but it's it's so funny how like, as as players you know i i played i played basketball myself it's really hard to to silence the ego as a young person so i appreciate your perspective on that because it's so easy to say like oh yeah you should do this but when you're in it like and you're trying to you're trying to grind for every single minute it's got it's got to be really hard yeah it's, it's very hard it's very difficult I'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and make it seem like it's something easy to do because it's not especially when you got a lot of talent and you feel like you should be out here playing you want to help the team but you always feel like you're getting overlooked every time it's like man i just got to go out here and show that i can do it so now you're putting extra pressure to make every shot you know, make every right pass, make every right decision. And, you know, one mistake could lead to another one. And once you make one mistake, you, you learn about that last mistake. Then some reason that ball finds mm -hmm. you again. And now you're making another mistake. And so you just got to learn to have a short memory and just get to the next play as often as you can. And especially when you're on a, a deep team and a contending team and every possession is kind of analyzed to that, oh, that could have been the mistake that loses us this right. quarter, this game. And, you know, I look especially at that, you know, uh, 2010 Celtics team that you were on that, that went to game seven of the NBA finals. And can you kind of look through, you know, other than, you know, those top four for the, for, for the Celtics, for your team at that time, there was kind of a mix and match that was, was going on as to, you know, who was getting minutes depending on the game, the situation. So what was that like, especially within those finals against the Lakers, where it goes seven games, that's an all-time series, an unfortunate series for, you know, yourself, Celtics fans like us that that we have. But 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 what's it like as a player in a moment like that? Man, um, again, you just have to stay right and ready, man. Just stay right and ready, you know, just trying to keep yourself together, you know. When you know you may not be playing, you know, got to stay in shape as much as you can. Make sure your shot is okay. Make sure you're paying attention to the details and just staying engaged within the game. You know, it's a lot of things you could be doing off the court to help your teammates that's on the court. You know, I used to talk to KG all the time. He come out the game and, you know, look at this, look at that. And it was crazy. He was like, man, talk to me, talk to me. Let me know what's going on out here. And, you know, coming from a veteran, a Hall of Famer like that, just asking me, 
you know, hey, man, what you see? Like, and so it keeps you engaged. It keeps you engaged in the game. And a lot of times you could be selfish to the point, like, man, I ain't playing. I ain't worrying about this. But you got to stay within the game because you never know. Your number might get called. You're an injury away or uh, anything away from being in that moment to getting your chance. And you got to make sure that you're ready. You got any stories about KG's leadership? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you feel free to share whatever you want. <laughs> you can uh, say man, what you want uh, here. <laughs> uh, um, man, not not to say, but all three of those guys from KG, Ray, Paul, and Ronda, all four, like those guys are selfless leaders. Like, no matter what it is that you may need, if you need to borrow that car, you need to come to the house to eat, whatever, anything, they were all great teammates. And a lot of people don't see that side of them. They see the side of being on the other side, being, you know, <clears throat> his opposition but when you're his teammate he's the best teammate ever like i remember before i came to indiana you know me him and paul we kind of get into a little you know a little little scrummers under the basket you know talking you know just a little chit chat so the next year i get <laughs> traded there and i'm like oh man i got beef with these dudes what's gonna happen when i get in the locker room so i get in the locker room and they was like what's up man you know they welcome me and it was just like nothing happened i'm like Oh, man, I thought we had a problem, but it ain't, you know, it was great, man. Just getting over there, being around those guys, man, just great energy. Just seeing how hard these guys work, you know, that was something that I learned when I got over there. I was like, you know, you think you work hard until you see, you know, the Ray Allens, the Paul Pierce, the, the Kevin Garnett, the Rondos. Like, we get to, um, I think it was training camp, you know, where everybody come over later on the bus, whatever. And these guys have been over here, they had a full sweat. I'm like, man, what time y'all got here? You know, thinking that. You thinking you working hard till you see that. Now it's like, okay, I, I got to go to another level. And you don't want to let those guys down when you get on the court because they're working so hard and they ain't got time for you to be over here, you know, want to hang out and lollygag when you do get in the game. So you got to make sure that you're, you're, you're ready for whatever it is. You got to match their intensity regardless of whether you, you know, come to the expectations, but you got to go out there and play hard. So you mentioned Paul and his leadership. Quick tangent with Paul. He, he was all over the internet over the past year or so. When you saw him, I would, or hopefully, did you see him, first of all, on that live stream with KG? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's, that's good. I'm glad they got something going together. They both, they're hilarious. Yeah, so what do you what do you make of Paul and just like his uh, post-playing career right now? Because it seems like he's trying to get back into it. He's given back to the current team. He spent the summer with Jason Tatum. He's been showing up around training camp. What are your thoughts on like being an NBA player transitioning out of playing, right? And how you like find yourself as a human being after that. And just like general thoughts on Paul Pierce with the current Celtics. Uh, I think it's great. It's great for, um, you know, Tatum. It's great for Jalen Brown, all those younger guys that's playing at that position. He's Paul's pretty much seen everything that's came his way and uh, learning how to deal with certain situations, you know, the best experiences, you know, dealing with it yourself and also talking to somebody and learning, willing to, to learn from them you know paul is going to be great for those guys to continue to come around and continue to give them little you know little pieces of the game that you know maybe you should saw this or did this or did that like these young guys they're super talented like the way they can create their shots and all the stuff they can do is like it's unbelievable you know a lot of people always talking about uh they couldn't play it in they couldn't play like man it's the game is supposed to evolve it's supposed to continue to get better and these guys are getting better and they're showing it but Paul is going to be really good for them. I'm glad that he's back around and giving back to these guys because there's no sense in, you know, having all this influence on the game and not giving back to the younger guys. 
Yeah, something that's that, that's interesting with with Paul being back around. And you mentioned it a, a minute ago with you know KG's leadership style and really KG Paul Ray and all them and and how they go about it. And that's been a, a topic of conversation because Jason Tatum and Brad Stevens said this you know pretty much directly is that you know he he's not going to lead like KG. He's not going to lead that in your face you know raw energy emotion that, that that kg brought to the table jason tatum is a very different type of leader right and so i'm curious from your perspective you know how does that work you've been in multiple locker rooms obviously now with your involvement with auburn like you must have seen the kgs but then also seen a guy that that leads in a different way like jt so how can those different styles still be effective in their own way um, a guy like JT, you know, he's a quiet guy. He, he'd rather lead by example, you know, go out there and play hard and show his work. Uh, but it's also when he does speak, people will listen because he don't really say much all the time. So it's like, okay, he's saying something. We, it must be important. So it's good because uh, it's almost like good parent, bad parent. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you get the one parent that's always yelling all the time. Then, you know, dad or mom step in. It's like, all right, I, it must be, I must be in trouble or whatever. So it's good that, you know, you got a guy that, you know, like an Al Horford that don't really say much, you know. But when he does say something, it's like, all right, Al said something. It's kind of the same thing with JT. And I think he JT's going to be really, really good in this league for a long time. And, um, you know, you know, I, just, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing and it's just keep giving himself to be blessed by God, I think he's going to be really good in this league for a long time. So let, let's talk a little bit about today's NBA. You mentioned how the the skills are developing, and you know people have you know they want to compare errors or whatnot. But let's just stay in today's era. When you look around the league today, in my opinion, you know I think it's Milwaukee, I think it's Boston in the East, and then out west, I think it's Denver, I think it's Phoenix, and probably the Lakers. What are your thoughts on today's NBA and just like where where the cream of the crop is? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so many moving pieces right now. I think it's a it's a chess game. Uh, it's going to come down to you know, at the end of the games, who can make the right plays, who can make the right stops, and you know, coaching is going to be huge because everybody can play right now. It's going to be a fact of um, having those guys that are used to being demand where they were at, taking those major roles and doing what's needed to be done to get those wins. Um, I had a talk with somebody the other day about <clears throat> positionless basketball and. You know, and just playing the game, you know, with p- people that actually know the positions. I think positionless basketball is good for winning games, but not for winning championships. Mm. And I, I like say that. that. That's cool. Tell us a little bit more about that. I say that because you can get out, you can put guys out there, they can score the ball and do this and that. But when it comes down to actually playing your role, you know, the PJ Tuckers, the, the Al Horfers, the guys that's going to go out there and do the stuff that don't really show up in the, in the stat box. Those are the guys that's going to make the winning plays because they don't need the ball. They don't need to be involved in everything. They're going to do the dirty work. They're going to get in there and grind and, you know, stick their nose and get their nose bust or whatever the case may be. So I would, I think that, you know, when it comes down to the end, you're going to need those type of guys that's going to be willing to get out there and do what it takes to win and not worry about having their name in the paper for, you know, scoring these amount of points or doing this and doing that. 
That's interesting. So Joe Mazzula was recently on the JJ Reddick podcast. Did you happen to listen to that interview? No, I haven't. Okay. So one of the things he talks about, because he got a lot of, a lot of heat last year for his like Missoula ball and shooting threes. And um, he talks about mathematics a lot and the analytics of the game. And he said, one thing that he learned is that in the playoffs, analytics kind of go out the window. Right. So like we, I see you shaking your head. No. So tell me a little bit about how you feel about the analytic movement in, in, in general. Uh, I've never really been a big fan of the analytics part of the game. Um, just a simple fact of, like, you could take a guy like a DeMar DeRozan or, uh, like, anybody that's a great mid-range player, and you tell them that, you know, three's better than two. But this guy's shooting 40, 50, 60% from two. Like, so you want him to shoot a three now? Like, I just don't feel like that's actual basketball because, like, you're trying to tell me where I should shoot the ball from, what I should do. It's like basketball is a game of, you know, it's, everybody practices, everybody moves. Like, it's not a cone drill. Those cones got arms and legs. They move. So you got to take what the people give you. And if they're giving you the mid-range shot, take the mid-range shot. If you're open for three, shoot the three. So you have to be a diverse player and not just play by numbers, you know, because sometimes those numbers, it, it's – it's not it's not basketball. It's kind of like everybody like, oh, this is a four star kid. He's a five star kid. Yeah, but you play basketball on earth. So it don't matter about <laughs> how many stars you got and all that, because at the end of the day, nobody cares. They're going to go out there and they're all going to make you do stuff that you're uncomfortable doing. So you have to do what's, what's right within the team and within the system and not just be like, oh, we got to shoot threes. Like everybody's not going to be going to state wars and just run around shooting threes. Now, you got to have players to do that. Some teams aren't built around that, you know, like. It's just not – that's just not it. Like, JT can create his shot from anywhere. He can shoot the three. He can get to the mid-range. So, you want to just tell JT you just need to shoot threes. Don't get to your mid-range. Like, that's – now you're limiting him from being who he can be. And I just uh, – I'm just not big on the analytics part of the game. When you look at this the Celtics team right now who made two major additions in the offseason with Chris Porzingis and Drew Holiday just a little over a week ago, and you have a top six that I think stacks up with just about anybody in the league, how do you look at a, a, a team like that that has championship aspirations, obviously was in the finals two years ago, lost in Game 7, disappointingly last year despite almost making a 3-0 comeback in the conference finals. How do you look at them heading into to the season? Uh, I think they're they're right there as, as the top team, you know, in the East and even in the whole NBA. You know, with those guys, I think the Drew Holiday addition was really key. A guy that can really guard both, can really do it on both sides of the ball. And he's not looking for those, you know, to have his name in the paper. Like I was saying earlier, he's going to be a guy that he may give you 29 one night or he may be a guy that, you know, guards their best player and hold him to 12 or 15. He's going to be a guy that's going to go out there and just, you know, really play hard run the team, get guys in their position where they need to be, get JT and Jalen the ball where they need to be. And also he's a threat on the offensive end as well. So I think that's going to be really huge. And, you know, the unicorn is going to be great too. You know, just another great addition, you know, being a stretch shooter, can get down in the post, can shoot over top of guys. Um, once they, you know, get the chemistry together and jail together, I think it's going to be really good. Do you see any similarities between Chris Stapps and, and Dirk? Just because I know, obviously, you you had an up-close personal look at Dirk, relationship with Dirk early in Chris Stapps' career. That's kind of the easy Euro-white connection, right? Like, that's going to be, you know, and it hasn't necessarily worked out the same way, but I'm curious to know how you evaluate their two games. Dirk was really different. Um, <laughs> I know, it's a little bit blasphemous. I even asked this. I, I, agree, with you. I agree with you in that sense. but Yeah, um, I think... Um, Unicorn has a great chance of being really, really good at, um, you know, Dirk played really well out of that mid-range area. 
You know, he, he can post you up. He got the one leg fade. Um, you know, he, he was a lot stronger than what people thought he was. You know, just being able to, you know, use his body and, and fade over the top of you. And he also played well out of the pick and roll situation. You know, he knew how to read those angles, knew how to read to pick and pop, get to his shots. And shot was so dangerous that even his pump fake, one dribble fade, like that was hard to guard at seven foot. Like, you know, just being able to move around the perimeter as well as he did. I think Kristoff has a great chance of doing that. Um, I think he's going in the right direction with it. Um, long as he keeps working and keep getting better at it and, you know, God forbid he can stay away from being the injury bug. I think he's, he has a great, great, great future ahead of him. Yeah, Marquise, I know that uh, we, we got to get you out of here, Will. Uh, do, do you want to move him into the fast break? Yeah, so let's go ahead and do okay. this. So, Marquise, what we always do with uh, with our guests that join us here, we got a quick game that we want to play with you here. So, basically, what we're going to do is run you through 60 seconds of questions. Greg and I are going to go back and forth here. And yes, no, this or that, rank this, give us one thing. And Uh-oh. then I'm going to chop it up into a video. <laughs> and it's going to live on the Internet, and we'll tag all your friends. Does that sound like, like an okay idea? <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right, brother. Here we go, man. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. So let me get this all set up here. We'll put 60 seconds on. And then, Greg, when you're ready, in three, two, go. Describe KG in one word. Mad, man. The toughest player you had to guard. Carmelo Anthony. One piece of advice for kids playing AAU. Um... Don't limit yourself. Top three artists on your current playlist. NBA Youngboy, my daughter, Ryan Too Crucial, and Lil Baby. Favorite teammate of all time. Josh Howard. Your best sport besides basketball. Football. Favorite basketball memory. Going undrafted. The best coach you ever had. Don Nelson. Last one, Greg. Uh, I got nothing, Will. That's it. <laughs> Mar- Marquise, you're so you're so good at uh, at doing the fast break. Got through all of our questions. <laughs> Yeah, great. usually That's usually great. we run out of time. Usually we have a whole list of questions that we never get to, <laughs> but y- you knew the drill. You hit them correctly. So we we appreciate you for stopping by, Marquise. This has been uh, really fun chopping it up with you. I hope that we can bring you back on at some point. And, uh, you know, obviously with this upcoming season here with you and Auburn, uh, we wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks. And same to you guys out there. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, Greg. Any final thoughts here? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Uh, you're going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. Maybe you could add this to your playlist, Marquise. This is a Black Sheep Optimist. Get this high. Peace, everybody. Peace, y'all. Say. You got me on the floor, you know I came to play I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away I close my eyes and I'm floating